Welcome to Learned Lag, a podcast about yesterday's Learned League questions and answers. I'm Amanda. And I'm George. Amanda and I are both in Zephyr B. This is season 24 for me and season 20 for Amanda. And this is day 18 of season 92. Our first question asks for the term or common abbreviation for uh, a method of transmitting radio waves that provides an advantage over its still common predecessor. So I knew this was either AM or FM. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had to think, okay, which is the improvement? Uh, and I figured, well, uh, most stuff is on FM these days and AM is sort of pushed to the side and it's not where the big money is. So I guess FM must be the successor version. Um, and mm-hmm. so I uh, typed in to the, uh, into the answer block FM and it auto-corrected to a radio emoji. <laughs> so I... Well, you had to commit untyped, to that answer, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. So I uh, erased that and typed in frequency modulation and, mm. and went on from there. And then it turned into a very large radio emoji, <laughs> right? Long. long, long radio. <laughs> um, yeah, this one I'm pretty sure I sort of kind of knew, just in the sense that if you think about the sound quality that you can hear on AM versus FM radio, a lot of what, you know, AM radio is kind of used for these days seem to be like talk radio and mm-hmm. sports and things that don't require the better sound quality that music does. Mm-hmm. And so FM radio is much more like where you'll hear pop music and things that, that take a more polished, um, you know, sound to enjoy um, to the greatest extent. And so, yeah, I, you know, I could tell that this was, you know, talking about the relationship between FM and AM radio. And um, I was sure that it was FM that the question was asking for. So I just put down FM with no conversion to emoji uh, (laughs) on my computer. And that was correct. Question two asks us for a title character from a 90s Disney uh, cartoon series it was a super heroic alter ego of Drake Mallard. Yeah, this one was Darkwing Duck, and I never watched it. I just sort of knew of it um, as something that uh, basically just existed. I mean, I <laughs> early 1990s, I was an older teen and not the target audience for this thing. Um, and I didn't get the Disney channel, I don't think, either. So, like... I I guess I picked this up just sort of in the pop culture ether, like, you know, come back home, see it on the the TV guide menu screen or whatever when I'm mm-hmm. scrolling around my parents' cable, you know, cable TV subscription. Um, so, yeah, this is just kind of something I know about in the periphery of things, and I figured it must be Darkwing Duck. And it was. Yeah. Because that was pretty it. much mine, too. Okay. I, just, I, I remembered that it was Darkwing Duck. The, the hardest part for me on this one was I read satirical title character the first time as satirical side character. I don't know oh, why. Huh. So I, I, the rest of it, like, I was obviously, okay, Drake Mallard, huh. that's a duck uh, superhero. That Well, that's Darkwing. But then side character, and I just kind of, oh, wait, is that somebody else then? Is that is that someone I'm not thinking of on Ducktales or or like this? Was there a sidekick on Darkwing Duck? I don't think there was a sidekick. 
And then I went back later and read, was reading the questions as I, uh, as I <laughs> answered them later. I said, oh, title character. Okay, yeah, it's Darkwing Duck. Yep, and that was the correct answer. Question three asks us for the name of a five-film cycle that is a quintessential work of modern video art by Matthew Barney. Sure. I guess it is. What the heck? I had no idea on this. I had no in on it other than thinking, well, if it was by someone named Barney, perhaps it was the dinosaur cycle. <laughs> I thought, no, don't be silly. Um, so I thought, well, if it's a cycle, maybe it's just kind of repeating things. Maybe it's just sort of uh, going through a pattern of things. And the longest, most boring, most argy thing that I could think of that you could do something like that with would be the alphabet. So I said maybe it's the alphabet cycle. Hmm. Sure. I mean, it could could be. Um, yeah, this one I, I did not know at all. Um, I don't think I even recognize it having seen the answer. Um, so basically I thought about, you know, video-based art and being a, a seven hour five film cycle like that none of this got me anywhere basically um i ended up putting down koyaanisqatsi because i thought mm. that's you know at least an art film that is not um traditionally a narrative type film and it's very well known and it's you know i know it's not really video art it's more of a film it's it's a bit different and i think this is video art is used advisedly in this as far as i know it's mm. it's not something that was shot on film um and so although it does say seven hour five film cycle so it's a five segment i assume videotaped piece of art anyway um i seem to faintly recall that koyana scotsi that there was a follow-up um mm -hmm. at least one follow-up movie of that so i thought well maybe there are more that i don't know about but I really don't think it's by this guy named Matthew Barney. I think it's by somebody else. And so I just put it down to have something in the answer box. Sure. Sure. It was the Cremaster cycle. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Which uh, is named after the muscle that controls the uh, ascension and descension of the testes based on temperature. Oh, good. Which, yeah. So, like I said think of the most pretentious possible thing <laughs> i right, don't hate good. art i just hate dumb art moving on question four asks us what charity incorporated in 1911 uh, conceived it as, as its mission to make 12 million americans physically free from peonage mentally free from ignorance politically free from disenfranchisement and socially free from insult uh, so this one, I really just thought, given the time period and, um, you know, the, the, the founding in New York, I, I didn't really totally associate with this, but it made sense to me um, once I figured by the description, this sounds like it has to be the NAACP. Um, and, you know, that being at the time, the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People, um, that is exactly what sounds like their mission to me. Um, and I thought 12 million Americans sounded like the right proportion, uh, of the population that might have been black at that time in our history. Um, so I just thought that all kind of hung together to 
point me toward NAACP. Yeah, same here. Uh, that's what I really keyed in on was the 12 million Americans. Like, okay, mm-hmm. this is a very specific uh, you know, number at the time, a, a definite subset, like a defined uh, number of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that, and then I, I read, and in, in particular, politically free from disenfranchisement. Yeah. Well, who, who are kind of the most disenfranchised people historically and currently? In American history, 1911 sounded like, yeah, that would be a time when that would still have been a concern. Uh, So, (laughs) yeah, Yeah. this probably is the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People, or the NAACP. Mm -hmm. And that is the correct answer. Uh, Question five asks us, what city um, has a large travel hub called Cow San Road, that is supposed to have the largest transient backpacker population in the world. So Kaohsiung, K-H-A-W, K-H-A-O, rather, sounds Southeast Asian. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking Vietnam, Laos, Cambodia, uh, Indonesia, Thailand, Singapore, kind of that area. Um, and then I thought, okay, so if the transient backpacker thing, if I were to think of like what, city presumably a major one because it's not going to be a city we've never heard of rule four he wants you to get it um what large city has that kind of transient backpacking sort of you know tooling around southeast asia sort of reputation to it and just the first thing that came to mind was bangkok and i thought yeah okay that makes sense like a lot of those thought of a lot of those other places and like is there anywhere in laos not really cambodia no Vietnam, like maybe Hanoi or Ho Chi Minh City. Um, Indonesia, eh, I feel like that's too islanded to to be a really like backpacker friendly kind of uh, kind of place, even though they're very big islands, I will admit. Mm-hmm. So I just I kept coming back to, to, to Thailand and Bangkok. Thought, yeah, okay, that makes, that. I won't say that makes the most sense, but based on pure vibes <laughs> that that vibrated correctly at the, at the appropriate frequency for me. So <laughs> I went with Bangkok. Yeah. So this one, I, you know, apparently applied a little too much logic to, um, I thought, you know, kind of focusing in on the backpacker population. I thought that sounds like people who are doing some hiking or mountain climbing at a, at a, a nearby attraction or, you know, landmark or what have you. Mm-hmm. And I thought briefly about Mount Fuji, like would this be in, I guess, Tokyo would be the nearest city, I think, to Mount Fuji. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Anyway, mm-hmm. but I was sort of like, I don't think that's a backpacker population. That's like you go for a day trip and hike up Mount Fuji or something like that I feel like it's probably and come back yeah. down. And it's not, you know, that's not quite the, the vibe, I guess, that um, I get from that. So um, I thought, is this basically talking about whatever city is nearest Mount Everest? Because people mm. with a lot of people with backpacks are sure. going to be people sure. who are, you know, going there, prepping to climb the mountain, you know, getting ready to go to base camp or whatever. Um, and so I kind of racked my brains thinking, okay, is it, you know, what's the capital of Nepal? And couldn't come up with that and just kind of like, you know, finally is apparently just sort of 
a nearby brain circuit said, what about Lhasa? Which I couldn't place what country that was in, but I was like, I think that's the right area of the world if I'm on the right track here at all. Um, and so I thought, you know, that doesn't sound horribly off the mark. Um, so I put down Lhasa. It was Bangkok. Nice job. Yeah, very pleased to, to get that one. Yeah, that's that's a really nice pull out of the ether. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Those are kind of fun. Um, and by the way, for Lhasa, for anybody whose geography score is as iffy as mine, is uh, the um, presumable capital of Tibet. Such as it is. De- depending on what you consider the status of Tibet to be. Mm-hmm. Yep. Question six asks us for a board game with cards in a five by five grid uh, and a clue that could be something like breakfast three. Yeah, this one, I figured you would have heard about it, but I couldn't <laughs> tell if we like, I don't recall. I've certainly never played the game. I don't recall seeing a game that evoked this type of gameplay because it sounds almost like you're trying to play some version of memory or like $20,000 pyramid, but on tabletop form or something that, you know, um, something akin to that. Let's, you know, if you're having someone point to a card or a bunch of cards or whatever it is. So I, I try to think, you know, is it the five by five grid that the name is going to be based on? Is it the cards that the name is going to be based on? And then I kind of focused on, well, there's this parenthetical there that's breakfast and three. And of course, that leads you pretty much to the word egg. I thought, "Eh, could there be a game called egg? I mean, I don't see why not. And it seems like if you're going to bother to put an example in the parentheses, then maybe that might mean something as the question writer. So um, not having anything else to, to go with on this one. I put down egg. This is code names. Yeah, okay. Uh, we have code names, I think a Disney version. Oh, okay. Um, I haven't played it much. I think I played it a, uh, at a con once. Uh, and it's it's fun. It's, uh, it's very much a party game. It's the mm. sort of thing you can play with very minimal explanation of the rules and... A lot of the fun is just kind of that sort of Pictionary sort of, uh, how could you, how, <laughs> how would you think I would get that? Or how could you not get that? Or, um, but yeah, and, and yeah, it's just, I, I knew this was code names and mm-hmm. uh, the name of the designer uh, sealed it shut for me. Um, I don't know what else they've done, but I know that in particular they've done code names. Okay. Um, and I, I figured that this one would be pretty, uh, pretty hard, even for people with a game sport, a good game sport score, because yeah. so little of the game sport aggregate score is board games, uh-huh. uh, and even less of it is uh, sort of your non-classical board games, like not your chess or your checkers or your backgammons. Right. So knowing a specific current game even a fairly mass market one like i think this one is available at your targets and your walmarts is um but i it's very yucky there's there's no way you're going to get the name from that from that clue 
if you do not know that that's the name of a game where you have to guess things like that. Sure. So, uh, so yeah, I, I went for it and I defended it kind of high, but not uh, not super high just because I figured Chromaster would be mm-hmm. uh, harder for people. Yeah. Because um, that was one where I knew that it wasn't something that I was just missing yep. for Chromaster. Like that was, that was very definitely like, I don't know this. And anyone who does very much knows more art than I do. So I can lean heavily on the art part of that question. Sure. And check people's scores against that. So, so that was my defense strategy for the day. And that left you with a five out of six on the day. Um, Only three for me. Mm. Um, I I don't feel horribly bad about the ones I missed just because, you know, the, um, obviously the film one, Mm -hmm. no, nothing doing, no way. Um, the one about Bangkok is honestly seems either like you're going to have a good guess Mm -hmm. or it's a yucky old question. Like it's not, you know, there's nothing in there that, that says, oh, this is definitely, you know, no, no other additional route to finding your way there, I guess, Mm -hmm. ironically. Mm -hmm. And, Mm -hmm. um, then same with code names, totally Mm -hmm. yakioid. And one of those frustrating ones that kind of looks like it's masquerading as, as, you know, that there might be other, Mm -hmm. uh, clues in the, the question somehow. Yep. But no, just, it's a three out of six day for me. And I don't know what, uh, I just hope my opponents have as hard a time with it as I did. Mm-hmm. So, I guess that's it for today. Tune in tomorrow for more post-game analysis. Follow us on Twitter at LRNDLG. That's Learned Lee without the vowels. And remember, don't forfeit. Don't cheat.